Today we conclude our summer series, Walk of Wisdom. Okay, we're wrapped. This is the end. This is the bookend on it. Uh, next week, Michael will kick us off on our uh, study through the book of Jonah. Uh, Bill, Michael, and I met about two weeks ago. We're going over content of Jonah, and uh, I want to assure you this is not a fish story. Uh, there is something way bigger than the fish going on. Uh, with way bigger implications for me and you. As I prayed about, contemplated uh, how to bookend this walk of wisdom, you know, summer series we've been in, I kept coming back to a topic that I'd rather avoid for a number of reasons, but life seemed to conspire to kind of get me back and bring me back and turn me around and point me in this direction. So full disclosure, I'm, I'm going to revisit parts of a message that I've done In fact, it was a message on parenting out of the book of Proverbs that I did 10 years ago, almost to the day, August 24th, 2003. You know, back then we had two services, if you were here, and they were, you know, the messages were 45 minutes long. Uh, Today, the message is we got to do this in 32 minutes. So I've, you know, that's why I say I'm going to do parts of this because I've had to throw out and cut a lot, which actually wasn't super difficult because I know a lot less about parenting than I thought I knew, right, 10 years ago. Um, I know it frustrated some folks even in 2003 because when you talk about parenting, you're going to hit a topic that, whew, everyone has opinions and passions and all of those great things, and you can come up against shame and regret, you know, for us when we talk about this stuff and even... Uh, that ugly word, comparison. You know, it's all. You know, it's, so it's it stirs some things up. It, it might disappoint you as well. I, I won't give a lot of how tos. There's just I'm just not going to give the how tos. There is so much available, really good biblical stuff that I won't uh, cover that here. I've got one book I'll recommend here in a moment, but we'll leave that for you to to, to get and find and. Uh, certainly, I can recommend stuff if, if you ask me. It's not going to be what we normally do. If you're a guest, I know it's a Labor Day weekend, some guests in town that normally we're opening the Bible and we're expositing Scripture as we'll do with Jonah. You know, we'll be in that for 11 straight weeks. This is going to feel more like a, a devotion, if I can say it like this. This is going want, to, I want you to know, I'm going to offer to you some thoughts. I'm just going to say, would you guys consider these things? And I'm going to tie it to the storyline of the Bible. I certainly... I certainly wouldn't say it if I didn't think it was biblical. I guess I can say that, but we're not going to be going through particular passages. My hope is that when we leave here in some 25, 26 minutes, whether you're a parent or not, you will walk out of here with some clarity about your role and a renewed hope, I pray, some maybe renewed vigor and hope for what God has called us to in shaping a generation. A friend of mine, single, you know, found out that I was doing this parenting message and they decided they'd skip church all weekend. <laughs> we don't need that. And uh, I could speak for the next 30 minutes on why, if you are single, unmarried, you don't have kids, why every parent in the room needs you. I need other voices speaking into my kids' lives. I mean, I mean, you know, put put yourself in my shoes. I'm the pastor, so they're not they're not going to. You're the pastor. Of course, you'd say that. You get paid to say those things, 
I need him with, I need him with other people who would live the life, uh, who, who would speak into their lives. So it's a message for all of us. My kids were seven, four, and two when I talked about some of these things. My son Darden turned 18 on Friday. And maybe that's why part of, part of why parenting was on my mind. We had a dinner Thursday night and it was great. You know, it's his birthday dinner Thursday night because, you know, we'd love to be together on your birthday, but he's got plans. You know? <laughs> so, so we're having dinner Thursday night and, uh, it was great. You know, we affirmed him. And then, and then the, the conversation was so funny for Lisa because the conversation devolved into, do you guys remember the last time you got a spanking? which they did, and which I don't. I don't remember at all. And it was hilarious what they saw of me and Lisa and, you know, what happened. And you remember the time you did that? And a sweet, sweet time, but a reminder that, for me at least, of the great task of parenting. Let's, let's pray. And as I pray, I'm going to read some passages that much of what I say is built upon. Solomon said in Proverbs twenty two fifteen, foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of discipline will remove it far from him. Proverbs twenty nine fifteen, the rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child who gets his own way brings shame to his mother. Proverbs thirteen twenty four, he who withholds his rod hates his son. But he who loves him disciplines him diligently. Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Heavenly Father, the task is too great and the way too heavy. And we cannot do this thing called parenting apart from you. And so we would ask that even in these moments, your spirit might instruct and teach and convict and grow our hearts. That we might with joy walk as parents and carry that responsibility with great delight. In Christ's name, amen. Here's how I'm going to do this. I'm going to offer you, I'm going to ask you to think about some truths about parenting. And then secondly, some truths about children. That's it. That's all I'm going to do for us. First, some truths about parenting. Uh, When the emperor walked through the village in his newly minted clothing, it was only the little boy who stood up and shouted, What was obvious to everyone, but no one would say. What did he say? The emperor, what? Has no clothes. And I must say, I feel a bit like the little boy when you hear me say what I'm about to say. It's something I think is obvious, but no one will say. God failed as a parent. God failed as a parent. It seemed, it, think about it. Uh, 
I'm not saying he was not a good parent. He was a fantastic parent. He was an outstanding parent. Read, read anything we know of on parenting and note what God does in Genesis 1 and 2. He, 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 he loves his kids unconditionally. That's clear. Uh, but then he also gives them some very clear instructions, doesn't he? He says, this is, here are the rules, here's the guidelines for our relationship. He gives them some boundaries. It's all very clear and laid out. And then he even says, he goes, now, if you cross the line, if you disobey, then you're going to have some consequences. He couldn't have been more clear, more succinct in those basics of parenting. But then in Genesis 3, to put it mildly, what happens? His kids do what? They disobey. I, I, I say mildly because if we really want to get to the heart of it, they rebelled. Then, then get this, okay? Track with me. When he calls them to account, they don't come. When they do come, they lie. Now, this sounds more like my house than, you know, the garden sometimes, right? But then when they're together and they end up doing what? This is Genesis 3. They blame each other. And then here's the killer at the very end. Who do they blame for their disobedience? You know, God, you did that. You, you know, you made me whatever. Not to kick a dad when he's down, but only to state what is true. If there ever was a parent who had a leg up on all of us, it was God. You know, his kids had no sin nature. There was no, uh, there was no mall. <laughs> there was no media. There was no internet. There, there was no bad influence. There was no bad friends. Don't hang out with them. Don't, you, there was none of that. I mean, if ever there were some kids who were, if I can say this, set up to win, you know, it's his kids. But they turned out not great, but horrible. <laughs> it's hard to argue that the, the kids speak for themselves. And if I could say this, go from Genesis 3 to Revelation, it doesn't get any better. Is it like they stopped? No. Here's the point I don't want you to miss. The kids do speak for themselves, but not necessarily for the parents. Let me relieve the angst that some of you are feeling. God did not fail. Okay. He can't. He's God. He's holy, just, true. He, he, he never drops the ball. He's God. No, he didn't fail as a parent. The only way we could say that he failed as a parent is if we say, well, the, the definition of a successful parent are successful kids. But if God himself does not measure the success of his parenting by how his kids turn out, then I want to suggest neither should we. Proverbs 9, 9, 12 says, if you are wise, you are wise for yourself. And if you scoff, you alone will bear it. And it's not just Proverbs, but all the way from Genesis to Revelation, we find that we're accountable for our choices. We're responsible for the decisions that we make. Whether it's for, honestly, foolishness or wisdom. One truth I want you to consider 
is that the measure of godly parents is not godly kids. Now, why do I start there? Because if we're going to parent wisely, then we need to be sure that our goal is the right goal. Don't confuse desires with, with goals. I'm, I'm going to be technical here, just so you know. When I speak of a goal, I'm talking about that which we control. These are my goals. This is my goal. This desire is something I want, I, I would desire, but I can't control it. I desire that my kids love the Lord their God with all their heart, all their strength, mind, and soul, and love their neighborism. I desire that for my kids, but I don't control it. We think that the measure of our success in parenting is that our children turn out great. I would suggest we are either in for unbearable disappointment or unmitigated pride. Look what I did. Neither is acceptable. Let's look at it another way. I'm going to ask you a question. Who's responsible for, for, for godly character development in your kids? Is it, is it all up to you or is it all up to God? Picture a continuum, a continuum up here. You know, is it all you? I'm, I'm responsible for God development, development, development of my kids. You know, it's all God. It's all God. Only he can do that. If, if you go to this extreme on the continuum, you go here and you say, it's all up to me. Then I want to suggest that where your parenting will devolve into is control. I mean, because as a parent, if it's up to me, then I'm like, I got to control it. And I'm going to tell you something. Ooh, when you try and control that thing, ee, you get all the yuck that goes with that. But the Bible does say we've got to do things. Proverbs is very clear. There's instruction, direction, Ephesians 5, 6. We've got things to teach and train. Yes. Well, if you go to the other extreme, though, and it's, you know, it's all, you know, only God can change the heart. Only, you know, it's only God can open their eyes to faith. Well, the Bible does teach that. Apart from God opening their eyes to faith, we don't change a heart. God does that. So, yeah, that's true. But if you, if you go all the way to the extreme, then I want to suggest it's not control that your parenting is marked by. It's marked by complacency. I it's all him. He, he does it. And you get all the mess that comes from being passive. The answer, of course, what's the answer? Is it this or is it this? What's the answer? What's the answer? It's both and. You see, it's, it's, it's here. It's not at that extreme nor that extreme. But it's right here in the middle ground where we parent. It's right here where you know, it's the chaos and the tension. You know, I'd love it to be here. I'd love it to be all about God. No, it's I'm responsible. You know, God's responsible. And, to, and, and it's together. I do have things to do. And I can have things I can't do. But here. It's where we parent. And, and if I was drawing this, I would draw this big continuum from here to here. In the middle, I would draw, you know, that big dust cloud that follows pig pen everywhere. It's just chaos. I mean, it's just a total mess inside the center of this middle ground. It is messy, hard. It's mysterious. 
It's wonderful. It's amazing. It's difficult. The truth about parenting is that the middle ground is the scariest place to parent. And it's the most sacred place to parent. Because only in the middle ground, this chaotic tension, are we required to parent by faith. See, at some level on the extremes, you don't need faith. I'm in charge. You don't, you, you, at the extremes, you don't need faith. I'm going to tell you, but right in here, you got to parent by faith. You got to go, oh my gosh, I got to stay in this because God calls me to. I don't totally understand everything, but I'm trusting God and you parent in here. And in here, you refuse to quit. You know, when a child's pushing you, 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 you gently take their hand and move it to the side and you still go in after their heart. In this place, if I can say this, you don't have the choice to do nothing. Even when you're just not sure what to do. You do the best you can. Uh, Lisa and I have tons of areas where we've, you know, we do, people do drop the ball, and we certainly have. And, and one of these areas for us is the, is the whole technology thing. I got to tell you, you know, when you feel, I'll just say, speak as a man, when, when, when a guy feels deficient in an area, you know, that's the area we tend to let go, you know, like, because I'm not good at technology. I just... Quite frankly, and this is not right, I just want to bury my head in the sand, act like it's not there, because I just know how to turn my computer on. I don't know how to load that software that'll do this. I don't know how to track. You know, we need to find out where they're going and doing all. I, I don't know all that, you know. And, and unfortunately, today, kids, right, they're not, you know, if, if, if this is what I know, my kids, when they were three, knew this. And now they know this, you know. And so we're trying, you know, just trying to protect them, trying to, you know, Get, get a handle on this area. And so Lisa, for over a year, truly has said, Lord, we got to do this. We got to do this. And she's so gracious. It's, it's not nagging at all. It's just going, we, we've got to do this. And what, what am I doing, though? Because I don't like that area because I'm intimidated by it. I just keep putting it off. Well, finally, you know, we're going, we got to get one of these contracts. Mom and dad, you know these? You can look on the Internet and get a con technology contract with your kid. You know, and it, you know it's all... You know, it's a privilege to own a, you know, an iPad or and it's a this and you can't have your Internet on this. And, you know, you got to put your technology up. And, you know, I, I went on the Internet and I I cut and pasted a two page contract. And and so Lisa and I said, we got to sit down and sit down with the kids and go through this contract. So I got my girls to sit down with this contract. The first thing the girls said was, where's Darden? Why isn't he in this meeting? Because he's 18, I've, he's gone, I've blown it, he's done, I can't pull him back in, he's over, I can't get Darden back in, well, why, that's not fair, Darden should be, why does he get to keep his computer, and you know, so bottom line is, can we get to the contract, you know, we can't even get to the contract, because we're just, eh, whatever, and here's what happens, I'm just going to tell you, it was an unmitigated disaster. And I've got a daughter on the front row that would tell you it was. It was awful. And there, you know, I got one daughter that one point, you know, I, I was trying to do it legally, like each paragraph you got an initial. You know, at one point, one of my girls said, I'm not signing that. You know, and I go, oh my gosh. And then, and then Lisa and I, they get to the, I get through the contract and Lisa and I, I'm looking over at her and Lisa's got one view on it and we're not even on the same page. Oh, my gosh. And then when a child knows the parents aren't on the same page, it's like blood to a wolf. <laughs> and so we, 
we just get to the end of this thing, and it's just, it's just, I'm just, I'm not being totally honest. It was a total mess. It was a total loss. It was just crazy. We went to bed. No one slept well. We're all hurting and crying. You know, that contract was two pages too long. You know, exactly. <laughs> My gosh, let's just. But it's crazy. And I, I swear to you, I thought this in the midst of it. I can't not do nothing. It's still unresolved, by the way. We're you know, got to get back in there. I got I to get back in this thing. Now, let me tell you what I call this. If I drew this up on the board, I, this middle ground, I, I would draw an eight-sided object because I call it the octagon. And all the guys are going, oh, yeah. And all the women are going, why you call it an octagon? Because well, that's where the mixed martial arts fight it out. That's where there's no rules and you just pound each other. You know, it's just crazy. Ten years ago, I'd said, I call it the boxing ring. Not today, it's the octagon. Now, here's the thing. You don't go in there to fight your kid. You go in there to fight the world, the flesh, and the devil who want to take your kid down. You go and duke it out and fight as best you can. Not with your child, but for your child. The truth that the measure of godly parents is not godly children, but faithfulness to the task leads me to what I'm going to give you as two things to consider. You know, there's what we could come up with 80 principles of parenting. There's no secret keys. There's none of that. I don't want you to take this that way, but I want to offer this to you. Okay. Two things. First, before you enter the octagon, you must put on your own mask. You must put on your own mask, mom and dad. What do you mean? Well, I'm talking about, you know, every time you fly, right? The Flight attendant goes through the safety precautions, and if you happen to be at a high altitude, and if you lose cabin pressure, and if you need oxygen, then this mask will fall from the ceiling. You will need to take these straps, pull them back, tighten them on your head. If you are traveling with children, put the oxygen mask on first before you put it on your kid. Well, doesn't that just kind of strike you like everything in you as a parent is going, I don't care if I die here, honey, you got to have the oxygen. No. If you want to save your kid's life, you put the oxygen on first. Then you save your kid's life. It's the only way. And what I'm suggesting is you've got to put, this is going to, this is going to really sound like crazy. You got to put your needs in front of your kids. You got to take care of your own physical, emotional, spiritual needs before your kids. Are you saying? Are you saying that my that I'm more? My kids need to know I'm more important than they are. Yes, exactly what I'm saying. You don't have to agree with me, but I, I want to suggest that your one of the greatest things your kids need to know is they are not the center of your universe. One of the foundational things that kids need to know is that you have life and you've got a life without them. It's so important. If you enter the octagon without your mask on first, breathing, okay? If you go in there and you're in deficit, now this is my own story, and I, it, it, 
so just let me take, take it, this is me, but if you go in there, I want to suggest what can happen is you go into the octagon, but you have legitimate needs that you haven't legitimately met. You get in the octagon and instead of parenting, you need, you actually find yourself needing something from your kid. I need their approval. I need them to, I need something from them. That's not why you're in the octagon. You're in there to fight for them. Not get something from them. Oh, you can't do that unless you put the oxygen mask on yourself first. Being life for a parent is an unbearable burden for a child. Don't put it on them. Be the adult. You're the one that stands. You're the one that takes the bugs on the front of the car. Because you're an adult. Being life for a parent is unbearable for a child. And some of you live that. You know what I mean. First thing, put your mask on. The second, it's just the second thing I want you to consider is this. Accept the fact that God is using your children as a tool to parent you. It's just one of those things. You don't have to do anything with this. I'm just asking you to consider, just accept it. Just receive it. Just go, this is it. That God has actually given you children, a child, in order to raise you, to parent you. And when, when, when you make that turn, you see, and you get in this battle in here, you understand it's, it's not about them. You know, you're not here to raise kids to get empty your nest. You're here because God has granted you these kids to raise you up, to shape what? Christ in you, to knock off the rough edges, to enlarge your heart of grace, to understand forgiveness, to die to yourself, all of that. He's entrusted these kids to you to make you more like Jesus. Accept it and believe it. That, some truths about parenting, just consider them. Now some truths about children. And boy, we could go a long ways here. I know 10 years ago, I talked a lot in the Proverbs and moral and physical laws and those kind of things. And there's, there's tons of help here. I just want to give you two today. I would say the book that had has had the greatest influence on my own parenting for, uh, for, for us, for Lisa and I, and uh, I was revisiting it, and boy, I just said, mark this book up a ton. It's a book by Dan Allender. It's called How Children Raise Parents. You can see where I got that last point. How Children Raise Parents. I, I do recommend it. There's my recommendation for a book. In it, Allender says that once outside the womb, every child is always asking two core questions. The way I would describe it is like this, okay, from the womb, all all the time, okay, but in this chaotic, in the octagon, when all blank is breaking loose and it's just crazy, every kid's asking two questions. Am I loved? Can I have my own way? It's, it's in the battle. It's when they're saying things that maybe when they're 30, they'll go back and go, I shouldn't have said that to dad, but they're saying, I hate you. I don't like you. You're crazy. It's when they're, it's just coming out. What, what's, what's underneath? What's the question underneath all that? Am I, 
can I spit in your face and will you love me? But if I do this, will you still see that? Am I loved unconditionally, irrationally? Am I loved? And at the same time, can I have my own way? Well, I'm going to tell you something. Proverbs is absolutely clear on this. Foolishness equals having your own way for all of us, right? That's what it means. What's the answer? Am I loved? Yes. Can I have my own way? No. You know, it's both. Allender writes, as a parent, I'm called to answer both these questions, not only accurately and continuously, but simultaneously. (laughs) He says, parenting is not difficult, it's impossible, end quote. Indeed. But I want to offer this. If we'll we'll say, you know what, deep down, the kids are always asking those two questions. It just has a little turn maybe it'll give on our parenting. And it kind of changes for me my primary task. And there's tons of tasks of parenting. Here's one I think maybe that kind of comes to the forefront for me that when I consider this. If that's the questions they're asking, then my role as a parent, my priority role is, is not, it's, it's maybe not so much do this, do that, don't do this. It's not so much that as it is that I become a better listener. That parenting is not always about, it's not so much what I'm saying, instructing. Am I listening? Am I curious? Do I see my kid? Because a child, listen, children don't come up to you and say, Daddy, do you love me? They don't say that. It always comes out sideways. Everyone else gets to do this. Why can't you never let me? It's always coming out this way. You got to, you got to, you see what I'm saying? You got to let that go. And you gotta, you gotta hear what's going on in their heart. Am I loved? Can I have my own way? I don't think it's an accident that the book of Proverbs, men and women, while there's, you know, these principles, you do this, you do that, a fool does this, you do this, discipline. Don't forget this. It's a conversation father to a son it's a relationship there's no relationship apart from listening sometimes they can't hear i'm the adult i take that you know i'm the one let me take the lead to hear and listen and see the heart of my kid first truth about children they're always asking am i loved Can I have my own way? I want you to put your notes away because we're going to end here with four minutes of something I want you to watch and listen that I think hits a second truth about children that we often miss. In the early rush of morning Trying to get the kids to school 
One's hanging on my shirt tail Another's locked up in her room And I'm yelling up the stairs Stop worrying about your hair You look fine Then they're fighting in the backseat And I'm playing referee Now someone's gotta go The moment that we leave And everybody's late I swear I can't wait till they grow up Then they do And that's how it is It's just quiet in the morning Can't believe how much you miss All they do And all they did You want all the dreams they dreamed of to come true Then they do Now the youngest is starting college She'll be leaving in the fall Brianna's latest boyfriend Called to ask if we could talk And I got the impression That he's about to pop the question any day I look over at their pictures Sitting in their frames I see them as babies Guess that'll never change You pray all their lives That someday they will find happiness Then they do And that's how it is It's just quiet in the morning Can't believe how much you They, they do, they grow up. That's the way it is. 
I mentioned that my son turned 18. Five. <laughs> turned 18 on Friday. He had his wisdom teeth out the week before. <laughs> so it's Friday, the big game. His birthday, Friday, he got an, it infected. Couldn't do anything, you know, stayed at home. So he said, uh, Dad, you want to go for a ride? And it was, uh, on Sunday that we took a ride and we went out to Leapers. And went to these places. We'd go hunting. And uh, it was a 40-minute joy, you know, to ride with him and we laughed, you know, I'd take him hunting when he was a little boy, and we laughed about stories where we'd kill a deer, and I had to pull the whole thing out by myself, and he used to, could do nothing, and I'm like, I, I'm about to die, you know, and uh, we were driving, and I said, um, I said, Darn, I want you to think about, you know, this time next year, you know, what, what do you need between now and then, any skills, any, any life experience, you know, where it can help you or whatever, because I said, I look at him and say, you know, when you, this time next year, you'll, you know, You'll be gone. And I said, and I said, no, nah, it's not that you can't come home, you know. And he looked at me and he said, just as only he can. He said, Dad, you know, when I leave, I'm not coming back. And I'm driving. I have to look left because I get all welled up, you know. And, and then I was able to turn back to him and I did. I was able to turn back to him and say, that's awesome. That's, that's right. That's so you. Mature. It's exactly the right answer. God had an only son. He's the only person on the planet who ever lived it, lived life, knowing he was fully loved and didn't have his own way. And because he did that, you see, he could die in our place. To take all of our rebellion on himself, pay the penalty, his death, that we would be forgiven. And if I can say this, know that we're loved unconditionally. Let me say this to every mom and dad. You will never make it in the octagon without a real, vibrant, authentic, raw, relationship with Jesus Christ, you won't make it. Don't go in there with a half-hearted faith. Can I say that to you? Because you go in there with a half-hearted faith and you inoculate your kids from faith. You don't infect them with faith. And can I say to every kid in the room, um, your mom and dad, please know this. In their parenting, they are ultimately pointing you to the person of Jesus Christ and what he did for you and inviting you to trust him and him alone for only when you do that. Listen, as much as I love my kids, I don't love them the way God does. And so they've got to have a relationship with God so that they can feel true, unconditional irrational love called grace upon grace. And then, and I say this to you, 
younger people, it's only in that relationship that you will find. And, you know, this is where you're going to have to take it by faith. I often say to my kids, you know, you know, just trust me when you're 30, this will make sense. This makes sense later in life. It's only in relationship with Christ that you will find that joy and fun and excitement and peace and freedom is not found getting your own way. It's actually found in submission to your heavenly father. That's the truth about parenting. But stand, and I will send you out. This is the last message in the series, Walk of Wisdom. Been in a lot of Old Testament literature. And uh, I'm going to end with a proverb that we don't think about related to parenting, but I think it's absolutely appropriate for every mom and dad in the room. Proverbs 3. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. God bless.